Welcome to Socialette, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in launching and online marketing. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a corporate dropout turned launch strategist, helping you launch your digital products simply and successfully so you can reach more people, grow your audience, and become the go-to brand in your space. Want to swipe my signature launch framework? Download my free ebook, The Complete Roadmap for a Killer Launch at stephtaylor.co forward slash roadmap. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Hey, welcome back to Socialette. This is episode 280. Today, I'm chatting with the fabulous Kaya Walling, who is an absolute tech genie. She's like the queen of tech. And I know a lot of you are really afraid of it or you feel like you're not good at tech. So Kaya is here to share some of her wisdom with us. Today, we're chatting a lot about, you know, that elusive inbox zero, how to find it, how to stay there, how to manage your to-dos and stay on top of everything that needs to be done without getting overwhelmed, as well as like some of the basic systems that you need in your business to really just make your life easier and to set you up for success. Kaya is also sharing a few tips to do with moving your business online in light of all of the stuff that's happening with COVID-19. And, you know, like I know a lot of you have in-person businesses that you've suddenly had to move online. So Kaya is sharing her tips and recommendations for this. So let's jump into today's episode. Hi, Kaya. Welcome to Socialette. Hey, Steph. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting to have you on the podcast. And I know we've been talking about it for quite a while. So the fact that we finally made it happen is amazing. So Kaya, for my listeners who haven't come across you yet, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, well, I'm Kaya and I live in beautiful Brisbane, Australia. Yes. And <laughs> I help businesses navigate the tech maze, which can be very mazy, and mm-hmm. put their systems on autopilot. I love that. So what made you start your business? Like why the tech side of everything? Because so many people hate that. <laughs> yeah, well, it turns out I love it. So the nerd in me is like, <laughs> it can be a bit unique. No, well, I, I actually started a business specifically because I had two beautiful baby boys and needed the flexibility in the family. So my background was big creative agencies which have long hours and a lot of you know deadlines and commitments and and having a young family really didn't fit that anymore Mm. and I'd come from a background of working in the digital side of things in planning and production Uh, so I guess it was a natural extension to go out on my own and do something in the tech space Uh, And in my life prior to that, I actually worked in law firms in IT teams. So I've been a bit nerdy for a while. uh, And I guess it was about bringing all that knowledge together and then delivering it it to small business owners. I love that. And I love that you find the tech side fun. Like I'm, I'm a little bit similar in that it doesn't scare me, but I know definitely for sure that um, (laughs) a lot of our listeners hear about, you know, like systems and apps and tools and they just want to hide. So I'm sorry. Run run for the hills. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know what it is like the flight, fright, flight, fight or freeze. (laughs) Yeah. And and unfortunately, wishful thinking doesn't get it across the line. You do actually have to dig into it. So (laughs) (laughs) well, okay, let's start with probably the simplest thing. And that is, you know, the elusive inbox zero, which 
I struggle with, as you know. And I'd love to know, like, why do you think people struggle with reaching inbox zero and staying on top of it? Yeah, I think that uh, when you go to your inbox and you start freaking out, that's not a not a great way to have a mindset, right? So nope. the whole idea of having a zero inbox is really just about uh, regaining control of your e-life and not feeling like your inbox is kind of dictating to you what you need to get done or who you need to reply to, but being able to be on top of that. Um, and, and for some people, look, that having an actual zero doesn't really get in the way of that. But uh, for lots of people, being able to clear out the inbox is a real uh, mental decluttering. And I think the biggest thing that happens in an inbox is people use it as a to-do list. And I, I think that's kind of, yeah, <laughs> kind of dangerous <laughs> because all of a sudden something kind of, you get a lot of emails in one day, next minute you've, you've got something to do that's not quite there. So I, I guess I'm the strongest advocate for getting out of your inbox in order to manage your to-dos and then going in and checking your inbox a, a couple of times a day in order to, to keep up to date, obviously, with what's going on. But yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest clincher is using your inbox as a to-do list. Yeah. And like, like I said, I'm just so guilty of doing that because I'll look at it. I'll see an email that's going to take more than, you know, like 10, 15 minutes to do. And I freak out and then I quit straight out of my inbox. So Kaya, I would love to know, like, what are your top tips or your top practical tips for reaching inbox zero? Yeah. Well, number one is, uh, becoming acquainted with the archive button. So <laughs> it's it's been lurking there the whole time. A lot of people don't don't quite know about it, but I'm just not a fan of dragging and dropping emails into folders and spending hours doing email filing. So I say ditch the folder habit and uh, yeah, get used to that archive button. And then that way well, nothing's ever deleted if you're hitting the archive button and you're a bit scared that you won't find something again. I mean, I use G Suite for my emails. And yeah. so if you think about all of the smarts that sit behind the scenes of, of Google, which is a giant search engine, all of those smarts go into being able to refine things in your inbox. So even if you're spending hours dragging and dropping things into folders, you're probably going back into a folder and then searching within that folder to find something. So yeah, I just ditch the folders hit the archive button and use the search functionality. And, and yeah, that gets you miles ahead. I love that because I've definitely seen a lot of, you know, like articles and things in the past where they've said, you know, like use this folder structure and do this. And it works really well for like a week and then you get sick of it and you just revert back to your old habits anyway. So like being able to just archive it is so simple. And yeah, like I'm a big fan. I use G Suite or Gmail as well and it's, it works really well when you stay on top of it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, and and so, I, I play a game of pick-a-date, right? So yeah. if you just end up with that many in, emails in your inbox and I do <laughs> recall when we first started uh, talking and working together, <laughs> the number that was uh, lurking in your inbox, pick-a-date just means pick a safe date that you can go back to yeah. and literally you are really unlikely say it's two months ago if you want to be super safe or it could just be a week ago depending on how how you go but and just archive everything from that date backwards if you need to find it again you can always search for it uh, and if it was really important they would have you know followed up completely yeah completely <laughs> and you would have got back to them straight away if it was super important as well so yeah I think that uh, there's just a um, 
for me, it's not about inbox zero every minute of every day too. I just want to clarify that because that would be really hard to maintain. If once a week you could get back to zero, that would be amazing. And I would suggest that that once a weakness happens at the same time as you're doing your planning for the week on what you've got on and your goals and to-dos for the week. So, yeah, it's another tip. Mm, that's a good way to do it. So would you sit down like on a Monday morning and plan out your week and then go through your inbox and add that into your plan? Is that how you do it? Yeah, well, I guess I flip it the other way around. So I would go through my inbox and anything that needs to be done, I would turn into a to-do. Uh, and there's a few ways to do that. I mean, if you really want to do a to-do um, on pen and paper, you would just add those items on to, in pen and paper. I personally use Asana, but there's heaps of options out there, right? There's ClickUp, there's Monday.com, there's Trello. Lots of people use different um, task management tools. So I literally convert an email to a task out of my inbox and it lands in Asana. And so I'd go through my inbox and anything that needs to be done would be con- turned into a task. Anything else gets archived or forwarded to someone else if they need to do it, not me. And <laughs> then from there, I would um, go through my Asana to-do list and prioritize and plan out for the week. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of preempted my next question there, which was going to be about the (laughs) to-dos. Now, like you did briefly say like pen and paper works for a lot of people. Are there, what are the advantages if you're just a, like a a one woman band, one man band, and you don't have a team or anyone that you need to delegate to, is there really any advantage to using a system like Asana or ClickUp or Trello or whatever versus just good old pen and paper? Yeah, I guess it depends on how much volume you're looking at because eventually if you're growing, you're going to end up plugging in a team. So when you're super starting out super early and it's just one person and you don't intend to sort of end up with more people in, you know, in the team than yourself, then totally pen and paper can work. And if you want to rewrite things each week in order to get on top of stuff, I know lots of people for them, just getting it out of their head and onto paper on its own is a really important process uh, and seems to clarify things. So I think, yeah, there's definitely, as much as I'm a tech advocate, there's still a place for pen and paper when it comes to, you know, personal productivity. Uh, But as soon as you start getting into that team productivity space or even when you start having so much to do, that rewriting doesn't make sense and you're seeing that there are tasks that you do on repeat week to week, you know, day to day even, uh, month to month, year to year, uh, then that's where those other tools start being really important and great. And then you can use them in a way that you start to see the volume if you categorize them into different parts of the business. You know, is this a marketing to do or is this a admin to do or is this a sales to do? You start to see where your bottlenecks are and then you can hire people into the roles that fill that function of the business. So I certainly see, you know, when you're early stages and you, and or for just personal productivity, you just want to get stuff out of your head and onto paper, there's definitely a spot for it. But as soon as the volume starts to increase or you start looking at eventually needing a team, there's a really important process of being able to group and understand the types of uh, to-dos that there are and tasks that need to be done so you can hire the right people in to get that stuff done. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And like, I remember when when you and I first started working together, I think I had my to-do list in three different places. Like one on, yeah, actually I did. And I that's had, actually not so many, Steph. <laughs> Some people have their to-dos like in 10 different places. So oh, but that's, pretty, that's just my business to-dos. Then yeah. my like life admin to-dos <laughs> go in the notes on my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's really funny, isn't it? I mean, sometimes people just have it in their head and then you wonder, you know, um, how to store it all. Like my mind would just explode if I if I didn't have it written down somewhere. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, so notes in your phone, they lurk there. They lurk on Post-it notes in your notepad. If you carry one with you, they might be, you know, sometimes on a napkin you have a fantastic idea sitting somewhere, <laughs> uh, you know, and then you start a, you know, to-do list in, in one app and then next minute you try another app and then they're just everywhere. And, of course, then there's the inbox that they could be lurking into. So, oh, yeah. look, if you only had three, I think you're winning. <laughs> but I do well, like I mean, to for one spot that's true <laughs> yeah like I'm I, I just look around and I'm like oh there's like all these pieces of paper with like half scribbled to-do lists sometimes <laughs> yeah yes. um but like I actually over the Christmas break I read uh getting things done and I remember he talks about how we often like walk around with these open loops in our head and you know like thinking of what tasks you have to do is an open loop and this then weighs, de- or it, it like limits the depth of the work that we can then go and do because we're thinking about all of these other open loops and yeah, it's just exhausting. It so, is exhausting and it's overwhelming, yeah. isn't it? So oh, I think, exactly. Yeah, the more you can create a single focus uh, in any one moment, obviously we always have lots of things to do as, you know, when we're in yeah. business, it's, it's, there's a lot on, but the more that you can move away or at least it, this is I really truly believe the more we can move away from that idea of multitasking and doing lots of things all at once and move into single focus, uh, yeah, we seem to burn through things a lot faster and putting yeah. all of your to-dos in one spot and getting them out of your head and, and down and planned out and triaged so that the stuff that is most important can be pulled to the front is, yeah, you're going to burn through things with so much more focus and, uh, yeah, achieve the goals. So I'm a big believer yeah. of it. Yeah. Okay. So other than an email tool and a to-do tool, whether that's an app or pen of paper, pen and paper, what other basic, you know, apps, tools, systems do you recommend that every business owner has in place? Yeah. I think from the beginning, if you could really get into habit of it, although it's not always the number one priority <laughs> is, a, is a CRM or somewhere for all your contacts to be going from day one. So, you know, they tend to, again, end up in lots of different places. And what would be great is to, from, you know, from day one or from today onwards, Start getting, you know, the first names, the last names, the phone numbers and the email addresses of every human you interact with in your business in one spot. Uh, And so, you know, whether that is a full-blown CRM uh, or whether that is just literally if you're in G Suite using Google Contacts uh, or if you're in, you know, Outlook has a contacts or your phone has a contacts, you know, just get them somewhere to get started. Uh, uh, And as you grow, you definitely want a CRM. So, my go-tos for those uh, active campaigning. Clavio for most businesses that, you know, Clavio for e-com and um, active campaign for service-based businesses. But look, there's heaps out there and it, and it depends on how all your systems join together, but they're my go-tos in the first instance. Yeah. I've never used Clavio, but I've heard good things about it. And I used to use active campaign um, until I needed a few extra things, but I, yeah, I love active campaign as well. It's really good. Fantastic spot to start, that's for sure. So, yeah, Clavio for e-com, I mean, it just comes with some real smarts when it comes to segmenting and being able to follow up with people who have looked at certain products or, you know, put products into their cart and not gone ahead and bought them or when they do buy a specific product, you can do heaps with, with I guess, tracking uh, through yeah, ActiveCampaign right. and Clavio, and that is where the real magic starts to come in, especially if you've got 
you know, online business. So yeah. So, okay. So contacts, so contacts <laughs> any other systems, tools, apps? 100%. Yeah, yeah. So bookkeeping. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that people one. <laughs> live, yeah, that, that one. Uh, people live in, in spreadsheets when they start and it's all a bit yuck. The sooner you can turn on zero in your business, the better. Um, and, and certainly for those uh, around this time, we're recording during COVID, you know, being able to go yeah. back very easily and see, you know, do you, are you eligible for JobKeeper or not? Or are your team members eligible for mm. JobKeeper or not based on, you know, profits going up or down or, you know, year on year or quarter on quarter? I think, you know, you need to get that on as soon as possible. A, so you get used to knowing how to use it and, and lean right in on your accountant and bookkeeper to, <laughs> to learn what you can. Um, and, and just start getting the information in there because you'll thank yourself in two, three years' time so you understand a lot more about your business. Oh, 100%. And you don't want to suddenly have, like, you don't want to have a huge month of growth and then suddenly you are scrambling to put everything in place for your books. 100%. Because, yeah. Or, or have to deal gross. with it at tax yeah. time. <laughs> there's nothing worse than having to go back through stuff and try and figure it out. Like, it's <laughs> always one of those things to say, just... If from today forward you started to do it this way, you would literally thank yourself 12 months down the track, you know. So going back and and digging through historical data, that just sounds awful. That sounds awful to me and I love (laughs) data. So, you know, just, um, yeah, so in in the kit bag from day one, I'd chuck G Suite in so that you've got, you know, your inbox, your, your contacts, your tasks, that's a great place to start. I'd throw zero in the mix as a must-have from the beginning and then I would put a CRM into that picture as well so that you've got that ability to really start getting to know your customers and, and building their profiles because they're the most important part of your business, you know, it's, and you can get such a rich understanding uh, through having a tool like that turned on. Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, like I talk on this podcast quite a lot about building your email list and, you know, like staying in touch with those people because just because they're not ready to buy from you or work with you today doesn't mean they won't be in, you know, three, six, 12 months time. So it's, I guess, yeah, the same sort of logic with building that CRM as well. Yeah, completely. And I, I know in my business, this is really true because the decision to work on systems tends to come after you know things like (laughs) establishing yourself as a brand and and making sales online and you know you kind of a lot of people's you know almost patch those things together in a DIY kind of way from unless they're investing a lot up front in the business but and then and then once those things are in motion they're like oh you know what this is actually held together (laughs) really (laughs) precariously maybe it's a good idea for me to go and get this stuff sorted out now um so yeah, if you can, you get some some basics in place from the beginning, you'll, you'll thank yourself and getting a list from the beginning, you will 100% thank yourself um, because I know there are people who joined my list 12 months ago who are coming to me now uh, and I yeah. definitely have a super long tail um, because of that sort of process people go through. So, yeah, some people buy quickly and some people take their time. Yeah, and have you noticed that a lot of people who are on your list maybe like 12 months ago have now started coming to you to, I don't know, like for help to move their businesses online given the current climate? Yeah. Wow. That yeah, absolutely has happened. So um, I'm very grateful actually, because my business has really flourished at this mad time in in the world, this crazy time in the world, uh, because people have been looking at how they can, you know, take 
what they might have been doing in real life uh, online or even how they can better leverage the downtime to be, mm. you know, um, adding lead magnets and getting more uh, emails out there that are, you know, about connection and community and conversation rather than sell, sell, sell. And I think, um, you know, if I think there's a lot of emphasis on email lists being able to convert into dollars, but there's there's a real opportunity for email lists to established connection and I've seen that happening a lot um, with people yeah. coming to me you know they're like you know what I've, I've intended to have an email newsletter for like three years and never got mm-hmm. it out I'm ready to do it now how do I do it you know because I've actually <laughs> got the downtime to make it happen so yeah it's happened I guess because some people their businesses they need to quickly pivot and take their services online and others because they're like well you know what it's actually a really good time for me to get my digi house in order Yeah, I've noticed that as well. Like with my business, a lot of people are now suddenly like, oh, my clients don't have enough money to work with me anymore. I'd better launch an online course or, you know, like I need to start a membership. And then there's also, yeah, on the flip side, there's also those who are like, oh, now I finally have time to launch a podcast. Like, let me do that. So I'm definitely noticing very similar thing to you. Where have you seen people getting stuck with the tech side of moving their businesses online? Like are there some common sticking points that people have been coming to you with? Yeah, for sure. I think um, one of the biggest conversations has been around what payment gateway to use and what the best fit for them is. So they're like, am I going with Stripe? Am I going with Square? Should I have Afterpay? Should I do PayPal? You know, should I have direct debit? There's been a lot of conversations around how to facilitate that online transaction, especially if they just used to sort of sending an invoice, um, you know, at the beginning or middle or end of a project. And yeah. if they're now selling a digital product, they're like, well, I don't actually even know how to transact that money. So that's been definitely a conversation with lots of people that I've been having. Uh, and I guess the other one like you're talking about is um, around digital products and whether that's, you know, a downloadable of some description that sits in a shop and needs to go through a cut process or whether it's a... a you know, live uh, video call or something and how does that work? Is it, you know, selling a ticket to it or is it given for free? Or So that component of what do you use to deliver something live, how to pre-record something and deliver it, whether it's a once-off masterclass or, a, you know, an entire course and what platforms yeah. sit inside of all of that because there's a lot that, that can go on there. And I think... Um, some people have felt a real pressure to have to turn into a digital product. Uh, And, you know, the conversation has been, well, you know, going back to that viability and figuring out how much to invest in actually creating it in the first place. There's a lot of different tech tools that can be used depending on how, um, yeah, how that looks, you know, is it going to have 10 people buy it or is it something you want to have a thousand or a hundred thousand people buy And so the platform decision really changes depending on, yeah, whether is this short-term, long-term, how does this look? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and even just the structure of the product. Like I have in the past used Kajabi for my courses and memberships, but then for the A to Z podcast launch plan, because of the structure that I wanted it to be in, I wanted it to be in like a checklisty kind of structure, I put that one in Trello. So like there's so many different options and like Trello doesn't even like I think I pay $20 a month for the ability to use it as a template but 
that compared to like Kajabi, it's a big price difference. Yeah, Kajabi so, is a big investment. This is really yeah. true. And and I think that it's a you really have to look at your numbers and understand um, a lot about those mm. before investing in a in a big platform like that. And for some people it's a perfect fit, honestly. It really is. So oh, I love it. It's you, fantastic. You definitely go there. It's very easy <laughs> to use and yeah, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. And it and it plays nicely with other platforms whenever I'm looking at um, you know, adding tech to the mix because you're never mm-hmm. just using one platform. Wouldn't it be nice if there was one thing, <laughs> everything, but there's not. <laughs> um, I'm always, always looking at, well, how does that join? How do the dots get joined between them? Yeah. Uh, you know, active campaign and Kajabi talk really nicely with each other, for example. Whereas if you're sitting in Outlook and trying to connect to CRM, that's a little bit trickier because Microsoft doesn't play as nicely with others. So depending on what you're looking at using, you also don't want to end up in this crazy kind of, manual process of moving things between platforms or there's always Zapier, right, which is a, a magical dot joiner oh. um, and can make systems talk to each other. But then you don't want to end up with 40,000 zaps either if you could actually have picked platforms that from the beginning are already in bed with each other and, you know, play yeah. nicely. So, yeah, yeah a- actually, that's a very good point because <laughs> um, when you start to scale, like especially with digital product sales, Zapier can get very expensive. Like I'm paying, I think, 800 US dollars a month for Zapier at the moment yeah, to have wowzers. that many tasks. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's just the yeah. amount of zaps running through it and the volume going through each of those zaps. It's It can get really pricey. Uh, mm. If the platforms from the beginning spoke to each other, then yeah, it can, it can save you the time in managing all of those zaps, but also Ooh, yes. the cost. Yeah. <laughs> so Kaya, do you have any other like tips, resources, recommendations for someone who's thinking of moving their business online right now? Yeah, I think that uh, looking at what your website is hosted on is really interesting um, because a lot of people I've found have had maybe sites built by somebody else that they can't actually edit or do a lot with. And then they kind of get kind of hand tied into you know, being able to add things to their site, like maybe it doesn't have a shop yet and then they go to add a shop, but the thing they've got doesn't add the shop or they look at Squarespace and they want to upgrade to e-commerce and then they're like, oh, that price point's a bit pinchy, you know? So I think that it's really important. Um, I mean, there's only a handful of tools out there that websites can be built on and you've got WordPress and you've got and that sits in the background of a lot of other options that are out there. And then you've got Squarespace, you've got Shopify, and there are others um, that you can build on. But I think more than what the platform is, it's about how much access and control you have of your own site and assets. And I feel like one of the big blocks for people at the moment is that they're not necessarily able to do much with what they've got. Um, And so the more that you can you know, know what your domain logins are, what your hosting <laughs> logins are, what your, uh, you know, maybe you've got an all-in-one platform, you don't need all those separate parts, but, you know, actually getting in and making sure that you have ownership of those assets that are yours uh, or that you have a great relationship with whoever's built it uh, and yeah. if that relationship has eroded, that you're establishing a new relationship with somebody to be able to help you because you want to be able to move quickly and add things and, you know, we're in a lot of us are in really micro businesses or small business, you need to be agile. And so that's a massive block for people. So I'd really recommend if you can, um, you know, even if you don't know how to build your site, I'm certainly not saying that everybody should learn how to build a site, but even if you just have enough knowledge and, and access 
to feel like you're in control of that and that you can move if you need to move and change if you need to change and edit if you need to edit. Um, I'd really recommend leaning into that space and and trying to get, yeah, some understanding and certainly um, regain control so that it doesn't feel like it's sitting with someone else, that it's actually sitting with you. Yeah, you don't want to have to like, you know, um, send your blog post to your web developer every time you want to upload a blog post. Oh my gosh, no, you'd literally tear your hair out, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, no, this isn't, you know, there are things that you need to be able to do for yourself and do quickly yeah. and content is 100%, <laughs> you know, anything to do with, with content, you want to be able to, to get out quickly. So, you know, through whatever you're doing through email marketing or whatever you're doing through social media or whatever you're doing on your website, you know, you definitely want to be able to quickly get content out there um, and whether that's then in voice and podcasts and you lead into that into that side of things too you want to make sure that you can access all of that and add to it and get in there and get your hands dirty with it 100 percent, amazing kaya i'm going to pivot really quickly in this conversation and i'd love to talk a little bit about your experiences creating a comprehensive course because I like I recorded an entire episode a couple of weeks ago on why you shouldn't create a comprehensive course and <laughs> I know that you've previously had a big comprehensive one that you're working on breaking down into smaller products so I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about the course and why you made the decision to break it down. Yeah, so Steph, I wish that I'd, you know, heard exactly what you said a year and a half ago. <laughs> it's hindsight though, you yeah, live and you learn. <laughs> you, go, you go through experiences, don't you? You can't yeah. kind of dodge them. So uh, yeah, look, for me, it was a big investment to, I guess I had this idea in my mind of how I could help people and being a holistic thinker and seeing all the pieces of puzzle and how they glue in together, I was like, yeah, people totally need this comprehensive understanding too. It would save them, you know, like, um, and I guess going through that process of creating it and, you know, creating content a week ahead of when everyone else was going to consume it. And it was quite stressful and I certainly didn't nail it. And I learned a lot along the way. Uh, But one of the things that really came about what sits at my core is to make this whole experience of tech uncomplicated, Mm -hmm. to take out the overwhelm so that people have, you know, the confidence that they need and, you know, the, the knowledge that they need and actually have some fun with tech along the way. And so one of the things for me that I figured out towards the end of last year is that actually the time commitment of eight weeks to dedicating to get a whole system set up is really overwhelming. And the whole amount yeah. of thinking that needs to go into that is actually really overwhelming. And I was like, but I'm here to reduce the overwhelm. And yet I'm offering my services in a way that adds to the overwhelm. And so I guess it's that at the core for me of the values that I have um, mm. in my business and, uh, you know, what sits at the center of me, which is to genuinely help others navigate this and improve their life and not make it more complicated or more stressful or more overwhelming. So one of the thoughts I had was, well, what if I could deliver this differently? So instead of a comprehensive course, you know, um, what if we could just do lots of little bite-sized changes which over time equal a comprehensive system and that made a lot of sense because even the way I've worked with clients over the years is and I've said it so many times out loud to them it's just small tweaks 
uh, equal big results. And so by deciding to break up my comprehensive course into small tweaks, you know, to equal the big result, it made a lot of sense. So I'm literally yeah. going in and re-recording and re-digesting, I guess, information in a way that will be 20-minute bite-sized videos so that people, when they're at that stage where they're like, you know what, I need to get on top of my e-lists. How can I do that? Or I need to set up G Suite or I need to do each of these things. I need to figure out how to manage my to-do list. I can actually get in and they can just do the 20 minutes. It's like, oh, that's a, you know, that's a small win and over time that's a big result. So, yeah, so that's really, I guess, part of it for me was that I was delivering something that was actually really overwhelming for people. Uh, and the other part is that I do truly believe that with tech, we just need to make little changes a lot. Um, yeah. And it's all those one percenters that actually get us, um, yeah, streamlined I, overall. I love so, that. Yeah. So that's, I was like, oh my goodness, if I just heard stuff a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, Kaya, like so many people, so many people make that mistake and they, it, it's so easy because like in our minds, we think like, oh, more content equals more value, right? Like obviously an eight-week course is going to be worth more than like a 20-minute video, but not necessarily because that eight-week course, like it, it's taking a lot more of their time and they might not see the wins as quickly as they would if it was just like, you know, 20 minutes of my time, here's a win that was well worth the 20 minutes and the investment that I paid for it. So it's like... In, in some ways, like the fact that you're being less overwhelming by having them in smaller pieces makes it more valuable overall, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I feel, I genuinely feel like that. I mean, I'm still obviously in the process of making making the change. But the mm -hmm. other thing I, and I think I spoke to you about it at the time, I was like, my course clutters up people's inboxes. You know, like when you're drip feeding <laughs> and you're delivering an email every week or you're delivering one when they join in and then there's another one to go and join the Facebook group and then there's another and it's just like I'm actually cluttering up people's inboxes that's like completely against what I want to do so how <laughs> can I do my own business differently uh then this I guess there was a norm that that originally it was you know memberships and then it switched to you know comprehensive mm. course delivery I feel like there's been these kind of trends over the last you know, five years. And so yeah. I was like, yeah, but I, it, it's not working for me, you know, no. and it, because it didn't really sit and align with who I am and what I stood for. And so now I'm like, you know, if people buy one video, then they have access to that, then it's, that's it. They get an email delivered with the video and they can go back and watch it whenever they like. And it's <laughs> not this ongoing clutter. So yeah, I think it, it fits for me in a lot of different ways. Um, the penny really dropped and I, I'm hoping that I'll let you all know in a year from now. <laughs> um, I'm we'll hoping get you back on it a year's a, yeah, time. <laughs> as a strategy that it, it, it's going to, yeah, it's going to work out, I guess, um, for everybody. Everybody's going to win. I'm going to win and, and anyone who, yeah. who does the videos is going to win too. Yeah. I love it. Amazing, Kaya. Well, to wrap up, I have a couple of questions that I ask every podcast guest. So the first question is, what advice would you give to your pre-business self? Oh, pre-business self would be save three months worth of ongoing expenses in advance. So don't feel oh, like you're chasing yes. your tail from the day dot. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. Next question. What has been your biggest oops moment? Oh my goodness. That is such a great question. 
I definitely think my biggest oops moment was the whole comprehensive course thing. I've learned so much out of that um, Interesting, whole yeah. experience. Yeah, I mean, fantastic and beautiful clients have and, and so, so much, you know, all the co-working collaborations. There's heaps of wins in there, mm. but I, I definitely think I oopsed by overwhelming people. Mm. What has been your biggest growth moment? Oh, goodness trying to balance being a mum as well as being in business. So I, oh, I can't that, even imagine how difficult yeah, that I must think, be. <laughs> look, I, uh, the, the, the growth, I guess, came personally through that transition mm-hmm. into mum as well as transition into businesswoman uh, and wearing both of those hats sort of simultaneously. Yeah, I've had heaps of growth out of that uh, and amazing, come, come in leaps and bounds. So, yeah, yeah. it's been fantastic. Aww. And then last one, who or what inspires you? Well, I definitely am inspired uh, by getting out and about in nature. You know, like if I ever I feel like that. I'm not really, you know, myself, if I get out and go for a walk, sit in the sun, you know, feel yeah. the sand in my feet, jump in, you know, water, whatever it is by way of nature, that, that seems to also reveal what I need to do next. Um, personally in my business. So, yeah, completely inside the nature. And then lastly, Kaya, where can our listeners find out more about you, your services, your trainings, social media? Where where can they find you? So come and uh, follow me on Instagram. I don't mind people um, Insta-stalking me. So (laughs) my handle is at Kaya Walling and my website is kayawalling.com. And I, I know people are like, Kia Whirling, Kaya Whirling, actually spell that. <laughs> we'll link to it in the show so notes. We'll yeah, so um, Instagram on my website is the best place to find me and you can always hit me up with a DM on Instagram too. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Kaya. This has been lovely. Thank you, Steph. 